You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. to force perspectives uh, for our third part, part three of our Obi-Wan Kenobi retrospective. Uh, I am your host, Michael Cohen. And joining me, as always, for our Obi-Wan Kenobi retrospective, uh, my stalwart, my steadfast co-host for this series, uh, Marty Alleman. M- Marty, how's it going? Hello there. <laughs> I felt like uh, two, three episodes late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um I, Yeah, of course. Not only do we have Obi- uh, the part 3 of Obi-Wan Kenobi to talk about tonight, but um but also I for those who don't know, um listen, E3 is not a thing anymore, but E3 used to be a thing. It used to be the Electronic Entertainment Expo. That's E3. There's three E's, E3. I and this is when we would get all of our video game news and and all that sort of thing and all of the big companies would do press conferences and whatnot. Now E3 is dead, uh, but something has risen in its place called Summer Games Fest. So we are we are in the thick of it with Summer Games Fest. And uh and over the course of the last couple of days we got some uh first looks at a new video game from uh, uh, EA and Massive called Star Wars Outlaws. That was sort of the reveal was this past weekend. And then this morning was the Ubisoft conference. Sorry, not it's not EA. This one's Ubisoft. EA is the Star Wars Jedi games. So this, yeah, this one's Ubisoft. You. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This one's Ubisoft and, and Massive. Sorry. I, uh, and I, uh, the Ubisoft conference was this morning. Um, it was a terrible conference, uh, but but um, some really cool games were shown off. Uh, Presentation-wise, it was like a flashback to like 2010 um, in the way that these guys were like standing on stage. Oh, really? Reading off a teleprompter. It was. It was. Yeah. Since the pandemic, the things have kind of shifted, right? To to a lot of like. Uh, pre-recorded stuff and and less of like the live thing because because so the way that it used to be is that at e3 everybody would come out on stage and do these big press conferences in front of all of the the media that were all gathered in one place now this is a holdover from before we had things like the internet and streaming um and now that we have those things uh most of the communication that we get from video game studios and uh the the major console manufacturers come in the form of of sort of what's what's been coined as the, as a direct, um, which was coined by Nintendo. I, I, and Nintendo started with this. Everybody else was still doing press conferences and Nintendo was like, we're just going to pre-record everything because we have a bunch of, um, non-English speaking Japanese executives (laughs) that want to talk to you. And we, this way we don't have to have a translator. They don't talk. And then a translator talks, we record them 
And then for the English uh, broadcast, we have a translator speaking over them, right? Um, so that, I think that was their main motivation. But it changed the way that Nintendo relayed information to the press. And as a matter of fact, it, they basically removed the press from the situation. That's why it's called a Nintendo Direct, because it's direct to the mm. consumer, right? So um, so that's kind of been the shift, right? And, and um, everybody else has followed suit. Sony does their showcases, um, and they'll also do, um, oh man, what are the deep dives called? I can't remember right now off the top of my head I don't know either. but um <laughs> they'll do they'll do like a um they do a thing called state of play every so often and they'll do a the playstation showcase every so often but then oh. they'll do maybe it is a state of play is that is what they do and and they'll do ones like dedicated to certain releases right before they come out so like right before god of war came out they did have got yeah i think they just call it a state of play um i where they'll like go deep deep dive into into a specific game um and then xbox i don't know what they call theirs because i don't care about microsoft that much but um but anyways everybody else kind of does it this way ubisoft came out with an old school like in an auditorium presentation um even though like the press is not necessarily all gathered in one place right now they were on the weekend but not today um so it, it, it's it's kind of a weird I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is still going on. I don't know. But um, it seems like a lot of journalists have just kind of left, um, gone back home for the week. But uh, they did this old school one. It was a terrible, terrible show. They, like they were missing lighting cues all over the place. The direction was oh, awful. And it was just like, it was so much. I love to hear from devs. Like I love to hear their passion and what's exciting and like why they're excited about the game that they're making. But that's not what we were getting from this. What we were getting from this was just like talking heads, pre-rehearsed, overly prescriptive, like like uh, press conference jargon, right? Everybody trying to do their best Steve Jobs impersonation. And so it was just, it was painful to get through i say all of that to say that i sat through the entire thing now they opened with avatar world of pandora world of pandora something like that um which is like this open world avatar game looks phenomenal can't wait um and then and then they they showed off um some new assassin's creed stuff which i love the assassin's creed franchise so that was interesting to see and i'm excited to play that game although i don't really need to be sold on it I like the franchise. So, um, that, but that was fine. Um, they showed off the new Prince of Persia game, I, which looks really hmm. cool. But again, you don't need to sell me on it. The Rayman team working on Prince of Persia 2D side scroller. I'm down. Um, like, that's all you needed to tell me and then show me the art style and I'm good. I, but I suffered through this whole thing. <laughs> all the, the, the car racing games and the just dance nonsense and just like all of these other things i don't know three or four games that are basically just guys with guns running around shooting people um i suffered through all of this to see star wars outlaws and um totally worth it totally worth it this game looks incredible i now this is our first look at it and it's a very like manicured and um, 
uh, uh, well-presented look at the game, uh, what in the industry they call a vertical slice. Um, so everything's running as good as it's going to run in, in sort of like the best way possible. But because uh, they want to put their best foot forward for obvious reasons. I So we'll see what the actual game ends up like. This game is huge it looks like i multiple planets open worlds run around kind of do what you do you play as a a thief scoundrel i i sort of i fringer i character i k oh what's your do you know her name off the top of your sorry k vess k vess yeah uh and her little and and her and her little buddy Nix, uh, uh, which is this little like looks like an axolotl, uh, like a like a newt, um, the ones with like the frillies on the side of their face, um, mm-hmm. but he, but kind of a lizard, uh, lizard dude, and uh, and and the whole reason why I want to talk about this game, I introduces a, a, a cohort of yours, the Chewbacca to your Han Solo, ND five, a um. A BT Commando, I uh, so like a like a like a battle droid, I uh, commando battle yeah. droid from commando battle Clone, from Clone Wars. Wars. Yeah. Yep. Um, who has obviously been heavily heavily modified, um, because he doesn't he doesn't even have the beat he doesn't even have the commando, um, voice modulator like he's got his own, um, and he wears this incredible duster, this incredible trench coat with his blaster slung on his hip. And he's just, um, I don't know how else to say it. He's super sexy. <laughs> like they made, <laughs> they made him exude. Like he just like, it's just like coming off of this character in waves. This, this like sexual attitude from this battle droid. And I, uh, I love it, dude. I am all <laughs> about it. The voice, the mannerism, everything about this character. Cause like, I don't particularly care for battle droids that much. I mean, like I don't hate them. I don't love them. Um, it's always fun yeah, when they yeah. pop up in something. Yeah. The commando is like a massive improvement on the standard and the super battle droid. Right. But, but, um, but this particular one, he just like, I don't know. He's got in, in, in the, in one of the, the, the promo shots, he's got like a case that he's sort of got, he's holding It's It Next looks like a shoulder. He's got this swagger about him, you know? Yeah. It's it looks like a guitar case, right? Like it basically like, like it's that sort of a shape and it's got that sort of a handle on it and he's got it like over his shoulder. And it, um, it reminds me of like, I, I, it's, it's. I, I, Robert Rodriguez, right? I, El oh, yeah. Mariachi. Yeah, with uh, Antonio Banderas, right? Like, good call. Like, and look, listen, that's not an accident. That's not by mistake. They are yeah. clearly channeling a vibe with this dude. Um, and I love it. I love it. it. It, the best thing is that, like, K, great character design. I, I'm just going to come out right out and say this one too. Beautiful. Like, like, Oh my God, she's beautiful. Right. Like, like they've gone to great lengths 
to to like portray this character and i think like I, I it's modeled after the actress um but i i she's just like very striking very 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 pretty um and yet this droid is pulling all of my focus it's hilarious <laughs> that i'm awful. just like i can't stop thinking about nd5 i just, like but everything about this game that they've shown us so far i'm just like i can't believe that they lucasfilm games has done this to us twice right because this this is basically it's jedi fallen order again <laughs> like and it's not a jedi right this is this is a right. different different sort of aspect it's more like the underworld uh, aspect of star wars which is exciting to me i'm excited to play as a character who's not a jedi but i uh, but yeah um the idea of like hey i we got a young sexy crew of star wars characters busting around the galaxy i uh, and your your protagonist has a little buddy on their back i uh, you know um and and jedi fallen order and jedi survivor a little bit they're a little bit of a cross between a linear and an open world they're not i mean like they are open world in the sense that you can go anywhere anytime but they're they're designed more in like the metroidvania sort of genre of like there are there's a you you're supposed to go here now and you can't really go there yet because you don't have that upgrade right so it's a little bit more of a linear path this game is being touted as like truly open world which um which is very interesting so um go anywhere do anything sort of attitude um and you're just gonna be like pulling off heists and whatnot it looks like from the trailer uh we know that we're gonna get uh um kajimi from rise of skywalker is one of the planets that we go to uh akiva is another one of the planets that was named i don't know if that's been in anything before but uh but that's that's in it um it looks an awful lot like Canto Bite is in the game as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Based on the CG trailer, it looked a lot like Canto Bite, less so in the in the, uh, the the gameplay that we got to see. We didn't we didn't really see anything like that. Uh, Tatooine, I think, is in it as well. Looks like it's a pretty sure bet. Um, but most exciting, I'm pretty sure that Black Spire that Batu is in this game because there's oh, one shot. It it looks an awful lot. It looks like Black Fire Outpost. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, talking over you. No, no. But yeah, it it uh, I got that same vibe too. That it looked exactly like uh, Black Spire. I just the only thing that I didn't see was the actual spires, but uh, they could be hiding that. But uh, especially the uh, actual like marketplace, it looked directly just right out of Black Spire for sure. Yeah, and there's a there's one shot in in the game at the towards the end of the gameplay preview that we saw where it's sort of flipping through the locations and there's one shot where we see you know like there's the one building that's got the um it's the same it's the same model ship as the as the second phantom uh the it's the the separatist the the the, the, sorry it's the restaurant uh building where it has the yeah that's i thought i thought it was the restaurant yeah um yeah so i like it pretty sure that the, that it's that building because it's got that ship on the top of it which is yeah. like that's a that, it would be a really weird choice to like emulate that and it not be about to but we've not gotten anything um major in canon that takes place on batu yet which has been such a wasted opportunity um and so 
yeah, it, this this is this could be really exciting if we get to actually like. Can you imagine if you're in this video game and you actually like get to walk through Batu, and it's like, well, I already know where everything is. <laughs> I know where the Droid Depot is. I know, <laughs> I know where where you know the marketplace is because I've physically been there. Um, it would just add so much. It was like when in in Fallen Order, the lightsaber parts were modeled after the lightsabers that you can build mm, in yeah. in Black Spire, right? So, um. Yeah, like I, I, it would be, it would be very cool if we can actually go to Batu and see it before the um, Resistance era, right before the First Order era, um, and see what it was like uh, For sure. during the original trilogy, because the the game takes place between Empire and Jedi. So, um, yeah, which is so great. It's a perfect time. Um, it's almost like this generation's shadow of the empire and, uh, um, it's, it's amazing. Uh, if it is Batu, it'd be kind of cool if we park where the Falcon is, you know, with, uh, this new <laughs> ship, yeah. um, and, uh, go around to the bar if you, if you can, you know, it seems like you could place the box. I kind of had the feeling that that was when it came to the uh, gameplay trailer, there was a part of me that was thinking like, are we actually going to be able to play the game Sabak? And, uh, but I think they needed to carry on with the uh, story to kind of show off as much as they could and i think one of my favorite parts of the gameplay trailer was when she got into the ship and the ship just went out of atmosphere and into space and directly into a space battle but it almost like it just completely emulated that this is a completely open universe uh game where you can just travel and go in that light speed uh going to the next planet and you have full control it's not like and you're right when it comes to like jedi survivor you have that uh you call metroid way of gaming where you basically uh have a kind of a path that you have to kind of follow and anytime you get into the ship you uh kind of go into hyperspace you have that choice which is great but uh you're not driving you're not so there's that difference where you actually get to pilot the ship and have that full control which is awesome Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's exciting uh, getting out into space and and having some space combat is always always a good time well i shouldn't say always a good time because in uh in the 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 battlefront games and the most recent battlefront games it's actually pretty terrible but uh but it it has the potential to be a good time uh if it's a little more rogue squadron and a little less battlefront uh or squadrons squadrons was a cool concept but like in execution not a very accessible game very very difficult to play um so yeah, it was yeah. very uh, uh, it was like very rushed from what I remember but uh oh, oh yeah. this one I have a kind of high hopes for I uh can't get a PS5 right now but this one might be able to push me over the edge to get it cuz I'm kind of about a 2 to 3 year delay on games right now I just got the Miles Morales game <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a little bit behind right now so uh it is what it is but um yeah I think this one might actually push me over the edge to actually get a PS5 for once yeah, yeah, I th- I think it'll be worth it. I think I think it'll definitely be um, a good time. I I'm excited to see more from it. But I I sure. that's not what you guys are here for. You guys are here to listen to us talk about Obi Wan Kenobi a year late. Um, and so here we are. Uh, <laughs> we're on part three, and I uh, I you know what for me this is um. This is when the series starts to really get good, right? We mm-hmm. talked about it the last couple of weeks that we talked like 
part one and two were uh, premiered the same night. I, I got to see them at Star Wars Celebration back to back. Um, but then like, so that was like the Thursday night or whatever. Right. And then I, I very quickly, the next Wednesday we got, uh, we got, uh, part three. And, um, this is the one for me that like, this is where the meat of the, of the series starts to come in. There's like this one. And then, um, is it the next episode or is it part five that opens with the, the flashbacks? trying to remember i think it's um, i think I it's that next episode, week I th- yeah next week was when he's in the back to tank yeah yeah so it do- yeah so it does open it opens with the with the flashbacks right um yeah. you gotta love it every time a character goes into a back to tank in star wars they have flashbacks um <laughs> except for except for luke <laughs> that is now canon need- yeah yeah uh they're, they're flashback to Tanks. Uh, Did you want to I list the uh, writers and director and stars? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So for this one, uh, this one is uh, once again directed by Deborah Chow. I, I'm pretty sure they're all directed by Deborah Chow, right? Yeah, so like, yeah. Um, the writers on this one, it, it switches up a little bit. We've got Joby Harold. So it was like story by Joby Harold, I think, for all all six episodes. But we've got Hannah Friedman and Hossein Amini um, writing on this one. And then, and then, of course, all of the the usual suspects, uh, as we've talked about before. Um, this is the episode that introduces Indira Varma's character Tala Durith. Uh, but uh, also, we get uh, Freck, the the mole man, uh, mm-hmm. voiced by Zach Braff, doing his best Seth Rogen impersonation. <laughs> which I, I always, just wondered I, was Seth Rogen when it first came out, but then it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, everybody was kind of like, "Well, that sounds an awful lot like Seth Rogen," but then it was like, "Nope, it's actually Zach Braff just doing a Seth Rogen impersonation." I'm pretty sure, um, yeah. and uh, and playing potentially the most disgusting character in the entirety of Star Wars. I think I, I, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Cause I know, I know your thoughts. I, I yeah, think the yeah. audience knows your thoughts, but I don't Absolutely. think we can still wait to hear them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start at the, at the beginning though. So we started really, on really, this side. Uh, oh. We got to, we got to mention Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. He's, he's back. <laughs> Sorry. I had to put that in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we start on the this uh, this cargo ship, this this unmanned droid controlled cargo ship, uh, as uh, you know, Obi Wan and and Leia have escaped from Dayu, and uh, they don't even know where they're heading. They don't know how long it's going to take, and and Obi Wan's just trying to contact Qui Gon. He's still trying to to connect with Qui Gon. Um, and he's just kind of like, like, there's a little bit of a, of a, like, um, like why me sort of, you know, like, I, 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 not to get too like religious with it, but <clears throat> there's a little bit of like the Jesus, like, like, to, like take this cup for like sort of a little bit of the, like, I don't, but I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to have to deal with this while well, Anakin is still alive. Like I can't handle this. Um, and, sure. uh, and, and Obi-Wan kind of questioning Qui-Gon and, uh, and the force in general and sort of, he's still, he's still in this. And I think this is intentional because I think he is still in the midst of this crisis of faith. Right. 
um, which will come back later when he is confronted by Vader. Um, and instead of doing what he knows he's supposed to do, instead of reacting the way that he would react, um, you know, when he jumps down in front of General Grievous or, you know, I, I is, is I, I, spinning in the air in front of Count Dooku, um, you know, he's, 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 he's very, very much a, a captive of fear at this point. So, um, he's just sort of reacting to that. The dark side is one, right? Like that's where we're at right now is that, um, and that's what that's, this is why I love this show, right? We are right in the midpoint between revenge of the Sith and a new hope. We are also at the, the, the height of the power of the dark side, as far as I'm concerned, because it is actually Obi-Wan's actions in this series that start to turn the tide as much as like Cal Kestis is out there and Kanan and Ezra and all that stuff. Like, this is the thing is that like no spoilers for Jedi survivor, but that story is trending in a darker direction. Um, uh, which it's hard to tell if that's sort of like, like where it's going ultimately, or if that was just like the second game sort of being a little bit more of an empire strikes back, um, and, and putting us on that path. But, um, but in any case, it's like, like very, there's a lot of hopelessness in the Jedi fallen order and survivor games of like, there's like, there, there are glimmers of hope, but, but really like underneath it, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of despair, right? So like the hope is kind of like, like punching through, but not, not quite. Um, and then, and then obviously rebels is, is later than this rebels is another five years after this, uh, if not more, maybe six or seven. Um, how old is, how old is Ezra in star Wars rebels? The beginning. I think it was like 15, 16, some of that. So I think you're pretty right on. With yeah. It's about, it's a, yeah, that's right. It is about five years. Right. Cause then, cause then we have like a time jump and, and all of that. So, for sure. um, and it doesn't quite come up to, to rogue one. It get, we get close to rogue one, but not quite up to rogue one, which is obviously the lead into a new hope. Right. Yeah. I don't think um, he's older than 17, uh, in, um, at the end and he was born on empire day, which is basically the day that maybe a day or two, older than luke and leia if we're gonna get that specific about it so i, I he, he was probably 16 you know and by the end yeah. i think i think canon canonically we're we're supposed to i've always treated it that the three of them were all born on the same day like that right. that and 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 that likely there are others as well right um uh that that like it wasn't um in the same way that that ray is out there, you know, uh, in the sequel era, like, I think that there are probably other characters as well. There are other, there are other that we haven't met yet that, right. that were also like, like darkness rises and light to meet it. And like the force does not, it, it, Ezra is proof that the force didn't put all of its eggs in one basket. Right. That it was like, <laughs> true. There, <laughs> yes, there are, there are other pathways, right? Like they, there are multiple, there are multiple ways to bring balance to the force. Um, in any case, I believe that this story that Obi-Wan Obi-Wan's arc in this story is the turning of the tide from, from darkness back towards light towards a new hope. Right. Um, 
and by the end of it that he has he's he's conquered that but in at this point in the story in the midpoint of the story he is like deep deep in the dark side um not that he is like like giving into the dark side but the dark side is like overwhelming him right um his reactions to things are not typical to the obi-wan that we know from the prequel era or even the obi-wan that we know from rebels and a new hope right um where he where he's much more resolved and 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 much more stoic um even more so i would say than than during the prequels um and this story is why is how he goes through that transformation we always kind of treated it that he just like sort of went into the desert and was a hermit and and you know trained his mind and his and his soul and all that sort of thing um and and so that's why he's he's he sort of has the resolve that he has in a new hope but this series gives us a whole new perspective on that of like no there was actually something that happened right um yeah, this, and this uh, whole, oh, sorry, sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the uh, this whole story is almost like the inverse of an actual character arc. Um, mm. If you want to look at it visually, a character arc is supposed to kind of grow. Uh, this is almost like a character dip, if you will, because like I, for me, and you just said it, he is at his lowest here. He is mm-hmm. uh, even lower emotionally. Uh, just he's conquered by fear, just for yeah. the notion of. Uh, learning that Anakin is still alive. And uh, so he is, he was way more at peace cutting up some whale meat up on Tatooine and just watching it Luke, but he is completely unhinged here. And he, the reactions, it was really evident this uh, second or third time that I've watched it. And definitely the first time in the last year watching it and how much he was just reacting. His reactions were just so over the top in, and we all know that Ewan McGregor is a fantastic actor. So it's just what is behind that. And it is, yeah. he is unhinged. He is at his lowest here because he is the opposite of, <laughs> he's imbalanced right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think uh, uh, Marie Claire on what the force would, would refer to, to this as, as uh, Obi-Wan is in the underworld. Right. And, uh, and he's sort of, he's sort of going through that and he needs to, and he needs to come through it in order to be reborn as he is at the end of the series. Right. Right. Um, and is a new character. So that's the, that's the journey this time around is not, um, it's not, it's it. I mean, it like the going, this is, this is a typical part of the hero's journey, but, but Obi-Wan is starting from, this is the thing. And Ryan Johnson talked about this a lot with the last Jedi and with Luke is that, a hero's journey for like a, an adolescent or a young person is a very different hero's journey than that of a middle-aged man. Right. And I, so, so when we look at these characters, it's, it's really interesting. There are so many of these stories right now where, where we do have these characters that were heroes and then we come back and we revisit them in middle age or even, you know, like sort of, uh, I, on the other side of middle age in the, in the instance of, of like Luke and, um, 
uh, I would say I, another really great example is it, from a while ago, one of the first ones that sort of started this trend was Tron Legacy and and Kevin Flynn, that character's journey. Like we we see the characters in these new incarnations and they're um, they're actually very different from what we came to expect from their previous hero phase, right? Um, and Obi-Wan, I think, I think this went over a little bit better with the audience because we have all of the puzzle pieces to know how he got this way with Luke and with Kevin Flynn. And, and there are some other examples, I, I, in recent pop culture, but, um, cause we keep doing these, we keep doing these like, uh, re-sequels, right? Like where we like, uh, where we reboot uh, with a sequel and come back with a, you know, a younger cast, but the older cast are now like the mentors and whatnot. Um, right. So we keep, we keep doing these stories and we, it keeps being this thing of like, well, what happened in the intervening 30 years? Well, bad stuff. <laughs> right. Um, but with Obi-Wan, we were there, we saw it, we saw the bad, the bad stuff happen. And he's just been, He's just been hiding for the last 10 years. Right. Um, so, so I think it's a little bit easier to swallow because we were there for the traumatic event. Whereas with Luke, I, uh, we are told in the midst of experiencing this new version of the character, why he is the way that he is. And so by the time we get to that, a good portion of the audience, unfortunately is not willing to accept this. Right. Like they, they want, they want to fight with the story. Um, right. And so, you know, you get the opinions that you have about the last Jedi and about Luke's journey or is this not my Luke and all of that sort of thing. And it's like, well, listen, um, he's never been your Luke. He doesn't belong to you. He doesn't belong to anybody. He is uh, a character that is for all of us. Um, and I, you know, I, I, your, your personal, I, feelings really don't have anything to do with the journey of the character. Um, and also it's not Ryan Johnson's fault. Let's be really clear about that. Lawrence Kasdan and JJ Abrams put him in this position. I, I, they like, we, they were for Ryan was forced to figure out why would Luke Skywalker abandon everyone and let Han Solo die. Right. And it has to be, that he's cut himself off from the force. Why would he do that? Well, they said in the last movie, he, he, he failed that Ben Solo turned to the dark side, became Kylo Ren and, uh, his, his entire Jedi order was slaughtered. Uh, like why, 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 how did that happen? And he has to figure that out. And that's what that is, which is very different from we watched the prequels and we saw Obi-Wan cut Anakin's arms and arm and legs off um, and leave him to burn alive as he screamed. I, you know, I love you. You were my brother. And Anakin screams back. I hate you. Like we, we were there. We, we seen it with our own eyes and we know exactly, um, you know, exactly where that trauma is. Um, and he watched Padme die as these babies were born and, um, made the decision to watch over Luke. Right. Like we, like we, we, we get it. We get it. So we know why he is so bummed. It's still not like fun to see your character uh, in that space. But I think, 
because we had had 20 years basically to get used to the idea. Um, and also, and also, I mean, like, like that character is a character that we were introduced to in a new hope. And he had this backstory and we get that melancholy moment of, I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. And you know, like, like all of that, I mean like that scene now that scene has always been a, a, a very powerful scene because of Alec Guinness and his performance. But that scene now, those few lines about, you know, he was the best star pilot in the galaxy and a good friend and all of that stuff. Like it, it, the, the sadness in Obi-Wan's expression, which the craziest part of that, the absolutely most wild part of that is that, that it was not it was not part of the story yet you know what i mean like it wasn't like like vader wasn't luke's father necessarily right the the i know that like george had ideas about what had happened but the depth of it and it's like it's i mean he's just reminiscing about a a, a friend who's passed away so obviously he's going to be melancholy he's going to be sad about it but now the depth of that is like infinite because of the prequels because of the clone wars and because of obi-wan kenobi uh because of this series so all of that tying back into this first scene it just uh uh, so it just informs so much of the rest of Obi-Wan's journey. This is this that's why I say like this is the episode where like for me like the rubber kind of hits the road and we get into what this series is actually about. Cuz we're kind of at the beginning we're introducing little Leia, we're setting the stage, we're we're doing all that here's all these inquisitors some adventure on Dayu and whatever. But then this one it's like we've got this scene um, and then we've got the scene in the, 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 what I refer to as like the bus ride, um, mm-hmm. later where Leia and Obi-Wan sort of have a heart to heart. And it's like that to me, like, that's the core of the show. That's what this show was about. Right. right. Um, and then, and then obviously the, the, the final moments of the battle between Vader and Obi-Wan in, in part six, it's like, that's, that's what we're here for. Um, so yeah. Uh, anything else to say about this scene before we move on? Oh, uh, just overall, just such a great scene. Uh, specifically about the beginning, uh, I love how he fixes Lola for Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it, mending those, you know, bridges that could have been burned. You know, the first time that they met, and uh, uh, she's definitely starting to trust him. And then I love the dialogue between them uh, regarding uh, describing the Force. And this is what I loved about the show as well. Yeah. Um, uh, in addition to the bus ride scene, which we'll get to, but um, we've never actually heard the um, uh, force spoken to, or, you know, just describe this in this way, you know, and how if you turn off the light and, you know, when the light comes back on, that's the way it feels. It feels like, you know, uh, it's just well done, well written, well acted. Um, and uh, yeah, and then they go on to Mapuzo. And um, I wanted to start off by saying um, when it comes to, just this opening kind of montage of the ship landing and whatnot. I know for the previous two episodes, I was a little harsh on the uh, score, but uh, this is uh, uh, the the score that uh, when they approach on Mapuzu is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of reminded me of the old uh, kind of Kevin Kiner Clone Wars uh, days where he was very experimental 
Um, and uh, it just kind of had that feel to me. I don't know. What'd you think about that? Yeah, I, I love it because it gives us an immediate, um, an immediate feeling of sort of, um, it's got a little bit of like, a like, a, a, I don't know, like a, like a Middle Moroccan, Eastern. Moroccan. Yeah. Moroccan. Yeah. Yeah. Very like Moroccan feel to it. Right. Um, so, so we kind of get that. Yeah. Like that Mediterranean, Middle Eastern, uh, like Northern Africa, like all of that, that sort of area. Right. Um, yeah. So it puts us in like sort of an exotic uh, location sort of frame of mind. Um, and also like there's something isolating about it, about, about the score. They're very alone and remote um which is which is obviously also you know the 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 sort of the setting that they're in um but the but the music sort of plays into that a little bit in this in these scenes um and it makes us uneasy i think that's the most important thing is that like it's sort of it this is not a heroic theme right we're not Mm. we are not in a safe place i think like that's the most important thing is that like we're heading towards safety but we're not in a safe place um, and we're so we're supposed to sort of be feeling that with Obi-Wan. Right. And Leia doesn't understand how dangerous the world is because she's young and naive and still has a lot of trust. And Obi-Wan is the inverse of that and has completely lost his faith in the world, in the galaxy um, to like to the degree that like he messes up too. Right. Like like he messes up by not staying like at the coordinates that they were meant to go to. And then, and then Leia messes up by being too trusting of, of Freck. Right. So I like the, both of them sort of need, they both need to learn from each other to be a little bit more, um, not the middle path because you do middle path is not a good idea, but just, I, I, they're both too far to the extreme. Um, and they need to learn from one another to sort of ease up a little bit be a little yeah, bit more it was a little bit ahead. more balanced i would just yeah. say a little bit more balanced even though you yeah, said not the, too much in the middle but they would definitely need to uh use that to just you know to survive um, i mean obi just wait five minutes you know, just, let's just see what happens you know? yeah yeah <laughs> but um but but as we were talking about before right he immediately succumbs to fear and he's like i knew we shouldn't have trusted him he's you know, like, like, uh, uh, we're now we're out here and this is probably a trap or whatever, right? Like he immediately goes to the worst case scenarios right. and, um, uh, in, instead of just like patience, which is what a Jedi should do, right? Is like patience, right? Like you expect them to be here exactly when we get here. That would be a little bit too convenient, but, um, but he's lost his faith in the force. So he's just, he is what what did he say on the ship right we talked about it that like what's what what does the force feel like we you know and it's dark and you turn on the light if you turn on the light it feels safe well obi-wan has not turned the light on yet even though he expressed he just expressed that to leia he's expressed that in like a past tense right not in a present tense that's not where he is right now he is in the darkness he is feeling unsafe Right. And so all of his reactions in this episode are from that place of fear um, and anxiety. Uh, And so so he is he is very much not acting like the Obi-Wan Kenobi that we know. Right. Um, 
for sure. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that aspect of it. And like, I mean, like when he sees the the apparition of Anakin, right? I mean, it's just it's uh, that tells you everything that you need to know about where he's at. He's he's kind of lost his way. Uh, kind lost of, he has absolutely kind of lost it. his way. Yeah, he's losing it. I mean, even in the cinematography, the way they kind of shoot it is, uh, um, it's it's handheld. It's kind of going at a kind of Dutch angle where it's kind of tilting to the side. He's just it's all over the place. It's, he's almost like close to like throwing up. It almost looks like you know where he's just completely mm-hmm. like I said before unhinged, and uh, we're just seeing that manifest in fear and unease. So um, no, it's great stuff. Yeah. Um, so then we get to Freck. Right, we get to this the introduction of I, uh, I, I will say a wonderful character in execution, but I, uh, I, uh, yeah, the 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 worst type of character, uh, in a story, which is uh, he is, he is not an imperial, um, and he should know better, and yet he is an imperial sympathizer. Uh, he's a bootlicker, uh, and he is, we'll, we'll see in a little bit, like he delivers, uh, like who he assumes to be, you know, uh, he calls what does he call them? Strays. Uh, like found a couple strays, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If there's an opportunity for a little bit, not even profit, he's not even in it for money. Like, that's the thing. He just wants the empire to like him. Right. And so he's got, he's got his, uh, he's got his mega bumper sticker on the back of his truck, uh, which we see as, as Leia and, uh, and Obi-Wan uh, get, get in the, get in the back. Um, I love that it was painted by hand too. It just shows that it's exactly. not an actual like printed, uh, you know, it yep. didn't come from the Imperial store on Mapuzo. You know, the, this guy was, uh, you know, spent some time in his garage, you know, like, Oh man, Nothing wrong with a little order. I'm going to paint this banner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, um, yeah. And, uh, and basically, I mean, like this is it, not to put too fine a point on it, but he is basically um, like a, like a Jew ratting out other Jews during the Holocaust. Right. Like oh. that's like, like who's like, Oh, well the Nazis will take, they they won't they won't take me because I'm helping them, right? Um, and meanwhile, the empire is is uh, stripping this planet bare and destroying it, right? And uh, and right. subjugating its people and um, you know just just destroying freedom. I I and this guy is just like you know driving these guys around and. Uh, doing anything that he can to curry favor. So to me, like, this is like, it's, it is one thing to be, uh, to be Vader and to be evil and you fall into the dark side and, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're doing bad things, but you, but you really think that you're, uh, bringing order and peace to, to your galaxy, to your empire. Right. Um, and to be doing it out of like this intense trauma and, uh, uh, you know, I mean, Vader was is sympathetic in the sense that he was manipulated into the position. And, you know, we, we know that whole story, right? Um, even to be one of like these, these recruited stormtroopers that's, uh, 
you know, one of the things that I love about this series is the way that they just paint stormtroopers. They are just regular dudes. Uh, I shouldn't say dudes because there there are a few female ones in this one as well. But yeah, there was. But they're just regular folks, right? Like they are just normal people. Um, and and Tala says it later. It's like I, you know, I joined the Empire when it stood for something, and it was too late. You know, when once I realized what they actually were, um, like that's a that's a whole other thing of like these guys think that they're you know they just think they're serving the military, um, which you know is its own problematic kettle of fish and all that. But but that's but again that's still that's different than I am one of the people because non humans are at risk always in in star wars during the the era of the empire right like the stormtroopers are all humans the officers are all humans it is not a stretch they are nazis they are space nazis they are about purity palpatine is about order and control you cannot have order and control with diversity of thought and diversity of of culture race identity species that all throws a wrench in his plan. So um, as much as there's no like specific manifesto in star Wars of uh, there's no, there's no what, like there's no Palpatine doesn't have a mind comp, right? Like <laughs> that we know of as that story hasn't been written yet. Um, uh, other than, other than obviously like sort of the, uh, the, the ideologies of the Sith. Right. But he doesn't share that widely with the galaxy. The rest of the galaxy doesn't realize that he's a Sith Lord. Um, but I, I, but there is an undercurrent. There always has been an undercurrent in Star Wars since the original trilogy. That well, these guys are clearly racist. <laughs> I mean, like in the original trilogy, even they're just all white men, right? Like there's not even any people of color in there, and that has changed over the years. But but in that original incarnation, it was absolutely just a bunch of white guys with British accents, right? This homogenous group. And so for a character like Freck, who is very obviously subjugated, um, just like everybody else and has no opportunity for advancement to the extent that they won't give him an Imperial bumper sticker, he's got to make his own, right? (laughs) Yeah. so yeah, like, like this, is that's where I go back to that, that analogy of like, you know, he is, he is one of the subjugated, uh, subjugated, it's not even the right word for it. Like he is one of the, uh, the targeted groups, but he is saving his own skin by offering up sacrifices basically, right. In order to survive. And now like the, it is a survival tactic, but he also seems to revel in it a little bit. Like we, we get a very clear indication that he is happy to serve the empire in this capacity. Um, and, yeah. uh, and, and he enjoys his position with these stormtroopers and how they, they, I wouldn't say that they respect him, but they absolutely like, they give him a pass. Right. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, like this is, this is the sort of thing that happened during world war two. And, and, uh, and, and to me, it's like those, those individuals were, uh, uh, amongst the worst perpetrators 
of of you know the the uh genocide crimes against humanity take your pick um that right. were occurring in that time and and so that's like that's that's what's going on here right is uh it's it's like it's like when you find out that a, that a person of color voted for trump <laughs> right <laughs> and it's like hey uh here's the thing guys if you're listening to this uh, and the things that I'm saying are upsetting you. This isn't the podcast for you. I'm sorry. There are lots of podcasts by uh, uh, insecure white men out there that you can go and you can listen to St- Star Wars podcast specifically. Um, and uh, I don't even need to point you in their direction. For some reason, they have like millions of followers and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, this ain't that place. This isn't that place. So, um, but yeah. yeah, it's like it's like when you find out that a person of color voted for Trump and you're like, you realize that like the things that the he's doing, <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bad guys. No. Um, bad guys? Yeah. Um, it reminds me, uh, you know, uh, to kind of even broaden that analogy a little bit, it, uh, this, uh, character Freck kind of reminded me of, uh, um, Samuel L. Jackson's character, Steven in Django Unchained, who mm. to me, all the atrocities that happened in that movie by, you know, like, Leo DiCaprio's hand, uh, uh, Calvin, Can- or Calvin Candy or some, uh, I believe that was his name. Um, Samuel L. Jackson's the worst character in that entire movie yeah. because of ex- all the same reasons you just said, because he is a black man that is above the slaves on that uh, um, plantation and is just uh, the, just the evil from that man because he thinks that he is for you know he thinks that he's you know above them even though he is part of them it's just it's despicable and that is what freck is basically he is this disgusting creature and he's just a coward a complete and utter coward where he'll give these guys uh, the stormtroopers i mean uh, a ride to save him a you know few minutes of uh, walking just to make sure that you know uh, he's on their side in his view. And uh, the first thing that he, you know, the, <laughs> I don't know about you, but like the line that really like stuck out to me um, when um, she um, uh, says like, Oh, we love the empire whatnot. And you know, when he says, oh, it's nice to meet like-minded folks. It's like, how many times have we've heard that in our everyday life? It's just like that r- line was just written specifically for this, moment in in regards to what we've been dealing with over the last few years so no it's just a well done character in this you know in this space fantasy you know sometimes we get a little bit more truth in our fiction yeah i love it and and i the one of the things that that i that i always kind of i take a little bit of joy in is when it um is when it triggers those insecure i i man babies um, and they 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 out themselves. They tell on themselves when scenes like this happen, and it's like oh, I don't know. I I ain't I don't like this scene. And it's like really, what didn't you like about this? What didn't you? What what, what was it? Right? And and they can't tell you. They just go Obi Wan Kenobi show not very good. So uh, what's your problem with it? It's a bad show. <laughs> like well, what don't you like? I don't like the the third episode is really bad. Slow. <laughs> you're, you're like they just talk yeah. for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, and they just, they, they will say anything, but the truth. 
um, uh, and they they will not answer the question. Um, and then you're like, okay, cool, good. This like, so I know to just block you um, <laughs> on Twitter or whatever, right? Uh, yeah, I like it when people tell on themselves uh, without realizing that that's what they're doing. But um, the, the most important part of this this whole sequence is. Uh, after the stormtroopers get off and, you know, like they, there's the whole thing of like, Oh, uh, he calls her Leia by accident instead of Luma. And, uh, I, you know, kind of covers and goes, that was her mother's name. Sometimes when I look at her, I see her mother's face. And then Leia afterwards is like, you knew her, didn't you? You knew my mother. It's like, are you my real father? And, uh, I, this is one of my favorite lines in the whole series. Um, and where he's just like, I wish I could say that I was like, because it would be, because for him, he's like, as painful as that would be in this moment for her to hear and for him to like confess. And like, if that were the reality, it would be a kindness compared to the truth of the situation. And Obi-Wan at this point doesn't even have the full breadth of that yet. Right. I, m- maybe he's heard of, of, of Vader in some capacity in passing, but has like sort of gone like, well, that can't be, um, that can't be Anakin. Right. Like, cause I killed Anakin. So there must be a different, like Palpatine must've taken a different apprentice, a different Vader. If he even knows about Vader, but he doesn't seem to. Right. No. Yeah. Um, but he really does. It's not until the end of this episode that he gets like the full scope of, of how far Anakin has fallen and what he's become. I, I, so even at this point, he's just like, just, just what he knows. I mean, I suppose slaughtering younglings was enough. Right. But, I, but, but the, 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 the brutality of what Vader does in the, in the settlement on Mapuzo is like, well, we'll get there. But, um, yeah, I, there's so much about this series. This is why this is why we had to come back and do this, right? This is why a year later it was like I gotta I gotta talk about this. Um, so, the, Crystal is calling me, uh, <laughs> and uh, her her phone number her her phone uh, is the only thing that rings on my phone. Uh, her number, Ooh, so okay. even though my phone's on silent, her number still comes through. Um, anyways, I this is like this was why. <laughs> we needed to to come back to this because I just feel like the show did not get enough credit for, um, for the way that it executed this story and for, for what it, uh, for what it accomplished, um, in terms of like, like, like really showing us, you know, this relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan and, and what it, what they lost right um really sort of like in reinforcing that as much as we knew it from the prequels and and the original trilogy like this series just really like it really really explores that um the loss of that relationship and the loss of that that um the like the loss of anakin like the death of anakin skywalker and what that means it makes that stuff about like Vader betrayed and murdered your father. Like that, 
what then gets later justified as what I told you was true from a certain point of view. Um, the way that it reframes that, and it's like, is not, not Obi-Wan's point of view. That's not what he was talking about, which is how we always interpreted that until we got this. He was talking about Anakin's point of view, right? Um, and how right. far Anakin had fallen, how far Vader was from the man of Anakin. I, I, and how Obi-Wan could look at that and go, he's gone, right? Um, and just, uh, not, not justify it, because it, I don't think that it ever needed to be justified, but to explain to us, the audience, where Obi-Wan and Yoda are coming from when they're like, you have to destroy Vader and the Emperor. That's what you have to do, right? right? And it's they're responding that way because they are traumatized, even still, even after the resolve, even after Obi-Wan goes through his goes through his journey. There is still there is still a a a a, a a trauma response there of like, mm, the only way to save the galaxy is to kill them. Right. Which we know is not, that's not the lesson in star Wars. Right. Um, we know that Chris Terrio doesn't, but I, uh, but those of us who actually watched return of the Jedi understand that that's not how you win. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's all, it's, if only, if only there was a line of dialogue in one of these Star Wars movies that really just kind of sums up the whole idea that like fighting hate with hate instead of um, overcoming it with love. If only there were a character, an underrated character that everybody overlooks and that got almost written out of the third movie. Um, if only she had specifically said exactly what I'm talking about. I, uh, immediately before i mean like almost it wouldn't it have been amazing if it was almost like the last thing that gets said in the movie prior to the one that completely messes it all up anyways um man i just it just drives it just drives me nuts it drives me nuts marty you understand this well just yeah we gotta we'll we'll talk about rise of skywalker eventually man (laughs) but it's all like it's all it's all so interconnected right like it's all so interwoven and that's where like that's where rise of skywalker and like we need this new jedi order movie to to fix it right we need we need it to fix the state of things because we're currently left with this frayed edge of an ending to the story. If that's the farthest in the future. I mean, technically it's not because we do have the holiday special, which takes place and the summer vacation one. Uh, no summer vacation. Yeah. yeah the summer vacation up, ones afterwards and, as well. Right. Yeah. And the Halloween one. And uh, yeah. no, and man, the way you said, you just said it frayed. Uh, I cannot agree more. Just the way uh, it just, you illustrated it perfectly. <laughs> it is a frayed end to this yeah. tightly woven rope and uh we just need to add to it <laughs> but but this is oh, the God. great this is the great thing about star wars and the and, and the methodology of star wars storytelling it's fine if you didn't like something because eventually there will be another story that comes along and integrates aspect of aspects of that story that you didn't like and turns it into one of your favorite parts of star Wars, right? Like I, uh, I, uh, the way that, that all of that stuff, <laughs> cloning dark magic, magic, whatever, whatever it is, Sith sorcery, whatever uh, thing that, that, uh, that the Hobbit says. Yeah. Secrets only the Sith knew. Yeah, yeah. Secrets <laughs> only the Sith knew. 
Um, the way that all of that is the backdrop for what's going on in Bad Batch. And it's like Bad Batch is phenomenal, right? Like Bad Batch is incredible. Such a great right. Star Wars story. I mean, like it's got its dips, but it's an animated series and it's got a lot of episodes. It's going to have its dips. But overall, such a great story. And it that story would not be what it is all this stuff of like the cloning and, and all this stuff that's going on. And yeah. And, and, and then the tie in to Mando, the tie tie ins to, to all of these other stories that are all like, like it's just throughout this era of star Wars from the time of revenge of the Sith, all the way up until uh, the force awakens. Right. It's just like, everything is peppered with this stuff about Palpatine trying to resurrect himself. And it's made these other stories so much more interesting to the point where we're like spoilers for the end of Mando season three, if you haven't watched it yet, but we're like, is he really dead? Or was that a clone? <laughs> right. Like, like I don't trust, uh, I don't trust that Giancarlo is not coming back. Right. Like, like uh, in Must some capacity. Gate. Right. Mustache yeah. gate. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So I, uh, you know, like, like as much as, as I'll rip on Rise of Skywalker specifically um, for being just a, a, just a total, a total mishandling of that story. Um, I mean, like, I really hope that it's setting the stage for something. Listen, the, the, the stuff that, that some people consider inconsistencies in the original trilogy uh, that George Lucas had to sort of like, well, I mean, Lawrence Kasdan really had to like write around and explain away to us of like, well, from a certain point of view that gives rise to the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, right? Like sure. without that, we don't get this. So I don't know. I was just kind of trying to keep it into perspective, but at the same time, I, I, it's just so astounding to me how like so much of star Wars can clearly state its thesis uh, and uh, and yet, like, arguably the most important film in the entire saga just completely misses the point. Just completely misses the point, and she just does a Kamehameha and Dragon Balls the Emperor into bits. Like, it just... I still it, don't understand how that happens. I, don't, I still don't understand how that works. Uh, I really... Because where did that come from? Where did that power come from? Um, it wasn't yeah. too much. It apparently was because she almost died for reasons, and then Ben had to, you know, resurrect her for reasons. So, yeah, yeah. it's just, it's just they they started at the end, like Palpatine has to be gone and Ben Solo has to die, and then they wrote it backwards from there and just came up with contrivances and it was like we're just gonna put two lightsabers together in an X. Well, she doesn't have two lightsabers. She has one. Okay, well, one of them is Leia's. <laughs> well, then Leia was a, Leia trained as a Jedi, right? Like you can see how they worked backwards to get the yeah. story for that movie. And they're like, well, how do they get to the Death Star? How do they get? How do they find out that it's in the throne room on the Death Star? I don't know. Maybe there could just be like something that tells them. How about a dagger? How about a dagger that when you hold it up to the to the to the silhouette of the thing it points at the throne room i don't know why wouldn't what why wouldn't you just be like the last place the emperor had his sith holocron was in his throne room on the second death star like it would have been really really easy to write 
we're way off track, but it's okay. It would have been really, really, really easy to write this part of the story, right? How do we find out? How do we get to Exegol? We need a Sith Wayfinder. How do we find a Sith Wayfinder? Well, there were only two. Kylo Ren has one. The other, which which was Vader's, and somehow we know that, right? Like if they had known that he got it on Mustafar, that was Vader's Sith Wayfinder. There are only two, Master and Apprentice, right? That's why there's two Sith Wayfinders. Makes a lot of sense. Could have said it in the movie. Would have been fine. Actually tell us that that's Mustafar at the beginning. Would have been really cool if that was actually in Vader's castle, a location that we established in Rogue One, reinforced in multiple other stories has a Lego set and is in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. It's in this episode, right? Like Vader's castle is obviously, there's a whole comic book series of tales from Vader's castle. Like there's a the whole thing. They cut it out of that movie for some reason. I don't understand it. And he just opens a thing in the middle of a field. It makes no sense. But anyways, he has Vader's Palpatine had the other one and Palpatine always kept it with him. Right. Like that's it's really easy to write that of like, like, how do we know that? Well, let's then we have to come up with a reason for why we know how we can know that that Palpatine always had his Sith Wayfinder with him. That's that's part of the adventure. That's part of the mystery. Well, where would he where was the last place that Palpatine was his throne room? Well, unfortunately, the Death Star was blown up. Well, actually, I heard that there are chunks of it on this moon or like on this other planet. Right. And then they go to Kefbeer and they find it. It like it's so easy to write it. And instead, they're like, oh, no, they go to a different desert planet. That's not Tatooine or Jakku. OK, uh, there's a big party there. OK, fine. It doesn't affect the story at all other than beads. And then he knows where she is. Uh, and then uh, quicksand. A uh, big snake, a uh, dagger, <laughs> right? Like it's just it. Although the snake is that is my favorite scene in that movie. But but I, I yeah, man, just just so absurd, so obnoxious. Rise of Skywalker. Uh, but Obi Wan Kenobi, like the antithesis of that, the opposite of that, because all this series does is I. Uh, is actually like fill in gaps, right? And it starts on a premise of like, Obi-Wan and Anakin are going to fight. Obi-Wan and Vader are going to fight again. It's like, but that's uh, that, but when last I saw you, I was, but the learner. Now I'm the master that, but, but that's what he said. And now you're saying that there was another fight in between there. That's that you're breaking the canon. And it's like, yeah, but listen, here's the story. And then we go through it and we get, this scene with Leia and Obi-Wan and, you know, like I, yes, I knew your mother sort of thing, which is then going to culminate at the end of the series and the, in the speech that he gives to her, which is like, I'm sorry if your eyes are dry at the end of that scene, I don't know if you like star Wars that much, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what, a what, right. the, what truer litmus test of, of like, and again, I always sound gatekeepy when I'm saying this, but it's just because like, I feel like there are these people that like laser swords and stormtroopers, right? They don't like star Wars because star Wars isn't about laser swords and stormtroopers. It's not about Darth Vader or star destroyers or X wings. Those are all window dressing. Star Wars is about like, 
obviously good versus evil, right? In a, in a broader sense, but to me, Star Wars is about like individual responsibility and social justice and, and ultimately like, like doing the right thing, being a better person, right? That's what we get to the end of return of the Jedi. And that's what that story is about. Right. Is no, no, I won't do it. I won't kill my father. Like I'm a, I'm a Jedi, like my father before me, you failed. Right. Like that's what star Wars is about. That's star Wars. That right there is star Wars. And it comes across in a million different ways in all of these different stories, because that is no different than like that moment, Luke throwing down his lightsaber and saying, I won't do it. I won't kill my father. You failed is exactly the same as Han walking in to uh, to Dryden Voss's office with the fake coaxium that's the real coaxium that's all part of like a ruse because the whole thing is just to get the coaxium back to 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 um to Enfys Nest right like right. like he he is putting himself at great personal risk to do the right thing and get everybody out of this situation because that's what star Wars is about. It's about like, like doing the moral correct thing in the face of darkness in the face of overwhelming darkness. And like when the odds are against you still, still saying you failed your highness and throwing down your weapon, right? Like that's what star Wars is about. And then there are people who will, say that like star Wars isn't star Wars if it doesn't have a Darth Vader or something of the sort, right? Like they just, they, they people completely missing the point, just absolutely missing the point. And that scene that I'm alluding to at the end of the series is, is like Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan giving up everything, like uh, including his own, like, like personal torment is like that's what it's about like to tell her you know like like because it's 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 painful for him to think about it's painful for him to think about padme and anakin i'm having a hard time like sort of putting this into words but like it's it's a difficult thing for him to do and there's like an aspect of like self-sacrifice for him to tell leia the things that he tells her at the end um and this scene is what like sets that up right for sure but uh yeah it's uh i I, I don't know. I've kind of lost my train of thought here. We can move on to the next scene, but basically, oh, uh, uh, you, you go ahead. You go ahead and talk. No, it's great. It's a, I mean, it's a fantastic scene where she just, I think this is uh, uh, Vivian Lear. How do you, Lyra Blair, right? Vivian yeah. Lyra Blair. Yeah. Uh, I think this is her best scene in the entire series. Um, just her, um delivery of are you my father um just gets me every time i don't know if mm-hmm. it's the dad and me or what but um it's just it, it hurts so good <laughs> when she says it mm-hmm. um and then um the just uh just on the performance level of these actors i mean you have vivian you have ewan and it's just the two of them with the wind in their hair and we get that moment where he's reminiscing about the possibility of his family there may have been a baby and it could have been a brother, maybe. I don't really remember him. Like, it's just, 
quintessential just Star Wars. It's one of my favorite scenes probably in all of Star Wars now, just this little moment. And it, yeah, it, and it pays off in the final episode of this uh, series. But uh, th- this just moment, it just, it's the only real light that we see in Kenobi in this episode where we've talked in length that this was where he's at his lowest, where he's, mm-hmm. and we're just dealing with what uh, Obi-Wan, you know, Obi-Wan's past and how he is reminiscing about Padme and Anakin and how even though he we've seen him at his lowest here, I think this is the only time in this episode that we actually see a hint of the light. And even though it's painful for him to reminisce, uh, you can almost see kind of how therapeutic it is for him to kind of relive these uh, memories um, and kind of kind of tell her the story of who she doesn't know who her parents are. Um, it really, it really got to me again as a dad. It really got, uh, gets to me, and I just got to respect these actors and in, uh, in this moment. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's so so good. Um, like I say, like this is this is this is the core of the whole show for me. So, um, uh, yeah. So from there, uh, you know, they they get to the checkpoint. The one dude gets cut in half by the laser gate, and uh, and it was all kind of inconsequential. Um, I call that a Deborah uh, Chow special though, because she just loves to kill stormtroopers. And like, come on, dude, like that's yeah, got to be one of the more memorable stormtrooper deaths in. Oh, it's, I think, I think it's the most brutal death in the live action for any stormtrooper. I, I, cause yeah, I mean like, I don't, cause we never see, um, I don't think we've ever seen like a lightsaber go through a stormtrooper in, in like actually like in one of these shows. Uh, but this no. is the closest that we've ever gotten and it's their own laser gate, right? Like it just, it just cuts that dude right in half. Um, yeah, it's, brutal. A, it's, it's brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. There's a, I mean, I think the closest we ever get to something like that is maybe with Finn and the lightsaber and uh, force awakens. But um, what I love the visual irony too, because yeah. um, he's able, you uh, and <laughs> I keep saying you and uh, when Kenobi uh, shoots out the, the gate, uh, not 20 seconds later, that very lethal gate just disappears and it's just a steaming pile of stormtrooper on the ground yeah (laughs) again the visual poetry of just like that thing that didn't that uh, doesn't exist now existed just a second ago and you know causes stormtrooper to get cut in half is just uh The one thing that i'll never get over with this scene though is he he i like he goes up to the gate and he's like, Oh, how am I going to turn this off? And he goes to, goes to do the thing. And you think like, Oh, well, because he's, they're going to get back in the truck and they're going to take the truck. They're obviously not going to walk the rest of the way. Right. They're going right. to take the truck. That's why he needs to turn off the gate. He shoots the thing and then starts walking through the gate. And it's like, well, well, uh, Ben, you could have just walked around the side. You could have just, he could, it's not, it's only like four feet high. And it doesn't go all the way up against the side of that ridge. Like you could have just walked around it. You didn't need to do that. But, um, but anyways, it's just, that's just me being silly. Um, uh, I I will take this opportunity to say that uh, Freck, uh, Freck deserved uh, uh, a death or he just got knocked out by Obi-Wan. 
I don't know. He deserved a little bit more for me, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> he deserved it, but he didn't get it. And I think that that's also important. I think that's, that's very stupid. Way. Yes. That's yeah. Way. Yeah. Um, so I, I am like basically right after this, we're introduced to Tala. Um, the, I, I, an Imperial transport rolls up with a bunch more stormtroopers who get out and are ready to do their thing. Uh, when she just shoots them in the back <laughs> um, and uh, absolutely blows her cover, uh, theoretically, right? But um, I, I, she's there to help them. She's like, I, I, I came and you guys were gone and nobody was like, we didn't think anybody was coming. And it's like, well, you didn't wait very long. Um, <laughs> but uh, but now now we're linked up with our contact and, uh, and she's going to get them off world. So they just got to get back to the to the outpost, and then, uh, uh, and then it'll all be fine. Yeah, it's gonna um, go very smoothly soon. Yeah, we've kind of, we haven't really talked about it, but but meanwhile, while all of this is happening, I I Riva has had a one on one with Vader, uh, which is always a, a dangerous choice. Um, most people don't most people don't make it out of their uh, uh their quarterly evaluation with Vader uh, intact <laughs> um but uh but she 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 has a one-on-one FaceTime with him and uh, uh he's like okay well yeah go find Obi-Wan and uh they send out the probes or whatever and and uh, meanwhile uh uh alternate universe Han Solo did you know that that's his name in Fast and Furious Sun Kang his, oh, yeah. his, his character's full name is Han Solo, but it's yeah. Seoul, like Korea. Korea uh, Seoul, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, love I think that. it was also, uh, what's his name, uh, Justin Lin. He also, uh, uh, there was a short film with uh, uh, with Han, I was going to call him, uh, with uh, Sun Kang. And, um, yeah. But the character's name was Han, and they retroactively put that in the Fast and the Furious universe, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, yeah, they um they uh they even this is so funny. This is such a tangent. I I in Fast Five, I think it is. Yeah, because it's when in uh, uh, Gal says something about him, I I being a smoker or whatever. Like, because that's why he's always eating Fast chips. Five. Yeah, because in because in in Tokyo Drift, he's always eating snacks, and it's just like a character thing. But in uh, I think it's is it better luck tomorrow? I think that's the name of the short. Um, he's a chain smoker. So the, the, they like in retconning it and saying that that was part of the fast, like that was like retroactively added into the canon of the character for Han in, uh, in fast and furious. Uh, they justify, like they, they connected the two things of being like, yeah, he quit smoking, but since he quit smoking now, he just like, he's always constantly eating chips Cause it's like a, it's like to, to deal with like the oral fixation sort of thing and the addictive uh, tendency or whatever. And it's, I love it. It's so good. Uh, Fast could and Furious you, movies. Uh, fantastic. Could, could you like imagine bad Star Wars movies? Totally. Uh, uh, could you imagine though, if they, uh, if uh, Reva comes into the, the, their uh, inquisitorious boardroom and uh, <laughs> the brothers just ch- chopping up some chips, some space yeah. chip. <laughs> Missed opportunity. Missed, Missed opportunity. opportunity. But the but the great thing is that uh, he's the fifth brother, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, as far as we know, still kicking. Never oh, has yeah. not died on screen. Um, oh no, 
now i mean he i mean if we're talking about rebels spoiler alert um malachor he was does he die on malachor he's he's on malachor he's on malachor with uh uh, sarah michelle giller and i um, don't remember him being there okay uh obviously i need to rewatch rebels but uh i thought it was the was there was three of them there's on three because yeah. i thought it, i thought it was the seventh sister and then the the we talked about last week yeah um, so he uh so the, so it's the eighth uh, brother the eighth brother yeah so then the the fifth brother and the seventh sister are the nem- the the villains of season two um it yeah. culminates in obviously malachor but then in those final two episodes that's when the eighth brother comes in and the last time we see that one is when he helicopters away and fails and uh yeah my may have landed safely may have not have i mean darth maul survived it but uh but yeah he, <laughs> he does get taken out um uh, the fifth brother does get taken out by maul yeah okay i don't i i don't remember that because i like yeah uh, fifth brother ultimately perished at the hands of the former sith lord maul on malachor you're right you're right uh oh well uh Hey man, There's still opportunities Han, for us to tell other stories with him where he eats snacks. I was going to say, I mean, if Han could, uh, you know, survive Tokyo Drift, <laughs> they retroactively uh, kept him alive to push that moment on and then still yeah. brought him back, Fifth Brother could come back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. They went to such lengths of like, well, so- no, these are these are prequels to Tokyo Drift. And it's like, really? Because everybody's got smartphones and because like, what is it? Like Fast Seven is the last one before he leaves, right? And it, uh, yeah, Furious Seven's when they merge, and uh, yeah, yeah, Tokyo yeah. Drift they have flip phones. <laughs> yeah, and Tokyo Drift everybody's got flip phones. But this is the thing they do. They do also. This is where it works for me. I don't know why we're talking about Fast and the Furious so much, other than the fact that Sun Kang is in both. But um, if you remember in Tokyo Drift, they like they're like live streaming the race everybody's like live like like somehow all of their phones are interconnected and there's like a there's like a live feed of the race in like high def from everybody's flip phones which like i don't know i don't know if everybody remembers the quality of the photos that were taken on those flip phones and they were not great it was like one pixel (laughs) there wasn't even a megapixel in those (laughs) nowadays nowadays our cameras are like 4k on our on our phones and it's like back then it was like, um, yeah, you can't you can't print the pictures that you took on your phone. It doesn't work and they're not high enough quality. But uh, but somehow in Tokyo Drift at that time, which would have taken place in like what? In like 2005 or six, I think uh, every yeah, or yeah. maybe a little later than that. But everybody's I think you're right. It was oh uh, six. Yeah. Everybody's flip phones somehow had like high def. Uh, cameras that that could also stream to the internet on an infrastructure that did not exist but they were in tokyo and everybody knows that japan's in the future so it's tokyo yeah (laughs) but it turns out that it's actually tokyo in like 2015 or something (laughs) ridiculous and then yeah timeline makes no sense and then and then they just brought him back to life anyways in nine so i love it and they do it with no explanation it's like, hey, how did he survive that? Uh, he was never in the car. Wait, what? But he was. So yeah, I um, this is and this will be the the end of this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. we should do a Fast and Furious podcast after this. But uh, oh, we should, dude. Yeah. Um, but um, 
I finally saw Fast Nine just a couple weeks ago, um, and because uh, I was kind of, I heard a lot of like it was, it, I mean, yeah, they're fun movies, and you know, I, I enjoy them thoroughly. But I remember hearing that Fast Nine was just still pretty rough, so I'm like, oh, I'll wait till the next one to kind of gear up for it. Finally watched it, and um, I was waiting for the explanation for so long, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, man, it was it was just uh, like, oh yeah, he. I mean, a hologram of Han would have made more sense than what happened. They were just like, oh, yeah, he's off in the corner in the alley. But but was he? Like, was it a clone? Was, was yeah. it magic? You know, what was here, it? You know, here, it's only here, the Sith. Who knew. <laughs> yeah, here's the craziest thing. Hobbs and Shaw, which came out between eight and nine. Yes. Established that a person who gets shot in the head can survive with this procedure that they use that to make Idris Elba, as he calls himself, black Superman. Right. Like, like that's the explanation in that movie is that like, like he, Oh no, he was dead, but then they like used all of this tech and basically super soldier serum to bring him back to life. And I was like, I walked out of that movie. I remember cause I saw that movie with my brother and I walked out of that movie and we, we knew that Han, I don't think, I don't know if we did know that Han was coming back yet. No, we didn't know that Han was coming back yet. And I, but I turned to, I was like, because I thought, I thought that Han would come back in Hobbs and Shaw because Shaw is obviously like the one who killed him and, and all that. So I was like, we're going to find out in the next one that like, that they've, that, that Han's not dead, but he's a bad guy now. Like they're going to make him a bad guy and, and he's going to be the bad guy in Hobbs and Shaw too. And then it turns out that the rock and Jason Statham don't get along. So they're not going to make a Hobbs and Shaw too. But now it turns out that I guess they're just going to make a Hobbs. He's just, he's just Hobbs uh, in the next one. But I, I, I don't know. Did you, <laughs> did you hear beef about uh, Statham and the rock? Cause I didn't know about that. I knew yeah. About it, I, it's, rock, but... So, so we know that Statham and, and Vin Diesel can't be in the same room. I, uh, but I, I apparently, yeah, like that extends to, to the rock. So like the three of them cannot be on screen together because they can't like, they can't stand each other. Um, but yeah, anyways, <laughs> back to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, so as a brand new character. <laughs> yeah. So Tala shows up. I, one of my favorite new characters, I, uh, in, in recent years, um, she takes them back and uh, I don't know. There's, there's a lot that happens here, but they get, get into the safe house. We get introduced to, to Ned B um, who is an adorable, although gigantic uh, loader droid that can't talk. What if he has we get the great line action, speak louder than words, uh, there you go. which is fantastic. Really great foreshadowing. Um, and uh, and we find out about the path. This is when we first find out about the path, which has now come up in other stories, which is exciting. Yeah, the um, uh, the name drop with, uh, you know, it's one thing to have you know Clone Wars, uh, James Arnold Taylor say you know like have these interactions with uh, certain characters like Quinlan Voss, but uh, there's something about having a Ewan McGregor Obi Wan say Quinlan the way he does and it's yep. just just magical and um yeah I cannot wait to see a Quinlan Voss in live action because it's got to happen man it really does 
Uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's speaking of Fast and Furious, right? We we talked yep. about it last week. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I I like. I would love. To, I would love to see see Quinlan in live action alongside you and um it would be great it would be fantastic but in just in anything i mean like like they they've they've dropped this here and then having uh uh coran horn also um implicated here i because his name is etched on the wall that's how we found out that that kid from the previous episode was coran horn i i mean like if that does not come back either in the Mandoverse or in uh, New Jedi Order, uh, what a waste. What a waste. And here's the thing. Corrin Horn is one of my favorite EU characters. Actually, like I think I think potentially he's he is my favorite EU character. Um I love I I yeah, like I, I, I just love the journey of the character of like he's a he's a Jedi, but he's also like a pilot, like X wing pilot, like like there's just there's so much going on there, and then all the stuff that happens during New Jedi Order, the book series, um, with him and uh, and and uh, the Athorian homeworld and and all of that stuff, I uh, he's got a really really great arc over the course of that, and I, the New Jedi Order is kind of. I don't know. I think it's divisive. I don't know. I don't know if it really matters these days, but um, I like the new Jedi order in theory, but in practice, maybe not as much. I haven't read all of the books, but um, because some of them I just couldn't get through, but uh, I, yeah, the ones, the ones where he was a central character were always ones that I enjoyed. Um, yeah, he was always a character that I really loved. So I, I really want him to show up. Uh, now it would be, he would be a significantly older character if he were to show up in new Jedi order, because we're talking about 45 years after return of the Jedi. And at this point we see him, he's like, what would you say he was? He was like, he was like a 10 year old, right? Like uh, seven, eight, maybe long? a little bit younger, Ten maybe eight or nine. Yeah. yeah um, so we're we're still nine years away from a new hope. So let's say that, you know, let's say that he's close to Luke's age. So like, yeah, I mean, like, I guess he's going to be he's going to be pretty old by New Jedi Order. So I guess he would if, we, if he's going to show up, we want him to show up in the Mandover stuff. Um, yeah, the heir of the Empire. And yeah, um, <clears throat> but honestly, that would also make the most sense because um, there is a potential there is a potential that at some point we're going to get a culmination of the stories in new Jedi order. Uh, sorry. In um, Jedi fallen order and star Wars rebels, Ahsoka Mando sort of like all coming together in theory. Right. Um, I, cause, cause I mean, I guess this is kind of spoilers for, for Jedi survivor for those who haven't played it yet. So if you want to, I won't get deep into it, but yeah, because but I the path, <laughs> so I, yeah, the path does come up, right? So, um, I like it is it is it is kind of a part of the story. Um, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, well, I mean, like right, right, it has to now that it exists because of Obi Wan, it has to 
if you're going to play with those characters and at that time period, you kind of have to do it. So it's a, it's a, that's a part of it. Um, you have to imagine that Ahsoka is a part of it at some point. Right. And that we'll find out now that, you know, every other story with Ahsoka that we've gotten prior to this, the path wasn't a, wasn't a thing yet. So now that the path is a thing, the next time that we see Ahsoka in her series later this year, theoretically, we'll find out if she had anything to do with it. I imagine that she did. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and so wherever, wherever Coran Horn ended up, I uh, hopefully it's all kind of connected. Um, and, uh, and it's the same place. Well, like, fingers crossed Cal Kestis ends up and uh, uh, we'll, we'll need to find out in a third game if he survives uh, that long. But um I uh, yeah, Cal, <clears throat> Ezra, Ahsoka, basically like everybody who's left, right? Like all of these, all of these wandering Jedi <clears throat> that have no home. Hopefully, we discover that uh, that that there is a place um, where the Jedi Order sort of persists a little bit, and then and then and then we connect that into new jedi order like i that to me feels like a very natural way to do it but i uh, i mean we uh, also have uh with star wars outlaws i mean that character named jalen looks an awful lot like kyle katarn so that's hmm, another hmm. one could be, yeah yeah everybody is saying that right so i mean yeah, I, you put a shoulder pauldron on a character with that uh has a goatee and it's like oh it could be kyle katarn <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh, some some of that might be wishful wishful thinking, but uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, like my uh, Star Killer being in an, uh, Ahsoka as the as the yeah. um, Inquisitor. <laughs> That's my wishful fulfillment. It's not going to happen, but hey, if it does, you heard it here first. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that Star Killer is showing it's up. It's not going to happen. But. Uh, <laughs> Again, uh, I could wish, but uh, yeah. I just want to see Sam. Whit- it all comes down to I just want to see Sam Witwer in live action Star Wars. Um, I, I do too. I do too. I say give him a new character, right? Like I say, yeah. give him a new character, or just let him play Darth Maul. But I, uh, you know, I because I think I think that if you wanted to do some live action with Maul, um, that takes place after solo uh that that you're fine to actually in fact like in the timeline the way that maul looks well no i guess not because he hasn't he hasn't lost control of the syndicates yet right so when we don't have that story if it like because when we see him in rebels he's lost control of the syndicates and he's just right. in hiding on Dathmere, right um yeah i <laughs> I think that like visually that Sam Witwer is a better fit for that version of Maul anyways, because he's a lot more um, he's like very gaunt and kind of, and then part of that's just the star Wars rebels art style. But, but I do think that there was an intentional, I, uh, I uh, like design, there were design choices to make him look a little bit less fit than he had been in the past that he was sort of like, yeah, I mean, he's older, that's a that's a part of it, right? So, like, I, I don't know. I it's, um, Marie Claire has a theory that that um, that we'll see Maul again uh, at some point uh, in relation to Ahsoka because 
um the two of them represent the 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 uh the 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 light in the dark right so what's the she's the ashlyn he's the, the, the bogan right like right. the 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 dark side the the brother and the sister right um and i i so as much as he's dead physically that that uh, he potentially persists in connection with ahsoka um and uh and and that we could see we could see him again in the ahsoka series i would love to see it and if that were the case i would love to see sam Witwer playing that character but I, that's it's highly doubtful that's like that's such wild fan speculation oh, yeah. um, there's nothing we have we've got nothing to indicate that um yeah. but it would be cool to see uh, nothing other than other than i uh, i uh, mythological story that is i think in a lot of inst- a lot of instances unintentional but that is there it's 100 percent there it's 100 percent in the story right but the thing is that like like Maul also can't die because he's Sisyphus. So like he, as much as like he, he, like Obi Wan kills him, it's like it's, it's somehow he has to persist. But um, I, I that's being very literal with the fact that he's Sisyphus. But um, but yeah. Anyways, I, I man, we cannot stay on track, and we're like we're like an hour and forty five into this. So <laughs> we haven't even talked about Vader yet. I know, like Vader hasn't even shown up. So, so they're well, in this he, thing. He, we're there, started, right? Yeah, I mean, we he started the episode too, and we kind of mentioned it before, but like Vader has officially returned, you know, and um, the design of uh, Vader. We've never seen this much detail of Anakin within Vader um, in the the suit, you know, where the actual chest plate comes in and inside the chest. Uh, there's a uh, little divots like along his spine it looks like it's just the design overall which is fantastic um yeah the return of vader's castle the fact that vader i mean we you could kind of speculate that he did but vader's got a throne you guys he's got a throne he's got a throne room <laughs> vader has a throne um that's that's something that did not exist before the show so like that's fantastic I, I just love this stuff and it may come off as like a vader fanboy and i I've always uh, believed in the light and Obi-Wan and whatnot, but there's got to be something, I don't know, there's something embedded in me with some of this Vader stuff that, because, uh, and it's uh, the fulfillment of having Hayden Christensen actually don the suit for more than a couple scenes in uh, <laughs> yeah. Revenge of the yeah. Sith. You know, it's uh, it's kind of what he not necessarily signed up for, but it's probably like, you know, again, a wish, fulfill- wish fulfillment of this character where you get to play the character through leading to you know what his inevitability is and you finally actually get to play that character and he is rocking it when he's in the suit um during the the, the, the small little dialogue scenes that he has with uh, Riva and the hologram but uh let's fast forward to the uh the, the village scene like yeah that is um it was like Michael Myers like horror film just uh, incarnate with uh with vader and seeing the inquisitors just kind of cower in the corner while he's going yeah. in just fantastic all around you could i mean and i think it was even in a star wars celebration over in uh, europe this year where deborah chow uh stated that this was her favorite scene to shoot 
So just all around great stuff. Uh, what did you think? Yeah. I mean, I, th- th- this scene is, um, I, uh, uh, unsettling to say the least, right? I mean, Vader shows up, uh, Obi-Wan senses him before he even arrives. Right. And this is one of the, another one of those spots where it's like his reaction is like you said, over the top, but it's because he's just like, he's overwhelmed by the darkness. Right. Right. And uh, and then Vader comes around the corner and just starts like like that first one he like pulls the the guy basically out of the window, yep. choking him, just to get to get Obi Wan to come out, right? Like like Vader no like he looks right at him he looks right at Obi Wan he knows that he's there, and he's just basically like come on, like like I'm going to keep doing this until mm-hmm. you come out. And the and the kid comes out to like help his dad or whatever, and Vader just snaps the kid's neck, and and the <laughs> yeah, and the and the old man is dead, and the wife is just like weeping there, and then he just grabs another person and just drags this woman across the ground, right? Like it, he just and he's just causing pain and suffering in order to more or less like it, it's it's similar to what the Grand Inquisitor was saying. Uh, in the first episode of like it's an itch that they can't help but scratch right like he's trying to force obi-wan into doing the right thing because he know he thinks he knows obi-wan but what he underestimates is just how broken obi-wan is at this point that obi-wan just lets this happen which like that vader vader murdering people is not unsettling to me i am absolutely desensitized to that right like that's his whole deal i've actually even played as him and done the murdering right of of a hundred bookies <laughs> in force unleashed right like no big deal um it okay. is it is obi-wan reacting but not doing anything about it um that is what's unsettling because in this moment we need a hero we need a jedi knight and there isn't one to be found. When when Obi-Wan said to Bale, I'm not the man that I used to be, like get somebody else. I can't do this. He wasn't lying, right? He is not in a state to confront Vader. And so um he does do the right thing eventually and is like, I'm gonna draw him off because the important thing here is Leia getting back to safety. Right. Um but but he also is like he's not going to confront vader he's going to lead them away right he's going to lead vader and the inquisitors away or at least he thinks he will and so he runs and uh eventually vader catches up to him i love it when yeah. vader ignites the lightsaber uh, and so obi-wan good. just stands there and like thinks about it and then just runs and he just runs just again he's just overcome by fear and this is so the opposite of who we know Obi-Wan Kenobi to be from everything that we've seen in the Clone Wars and the prequels of like, you know, like, like General Grievous is standing in front of you, jump down and fight him. <coughs> right. Like, but instead, you know, here's Vader and he just, he can't bring himself to fight this, this being in front of him. It's yeah, it's 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 overwhelming. He not only did he just find out that Anakin is still alive, but now mm-hmm. he's here. He's doing these horrible things. He's witnessing them for the first time and he is in shock. He cannot 
do anything. And yeah. yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head where it's just the, um, the inaction is what is unsettling. Um, real quick, um, going back slightly, um, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. I noticed it uh, the first time I really noticed it was this time, but I think this is the best use of the story point of Vader's breathing where hmm. he's met, he walks into the marketplace. He's menacing standard Vader breathing when uh, he notices something over the left and he, you know, stops. The music is silent. The breathing is silent. Everything is silent. But then when he, uh, when Obi-Wan kind of has a shallow breath, you don't hear an inhale from Vader. You hear a slight exhale and he is in 100% control of the situation. Mm. And it's just fascinating to me. The first time I actually like realized that this, uh, during this rewatch, like that is a solid use of a trope that we've had for 46 years of this menacing figure that, you know, looks like a, just a dark triangle, you know, that uh, has this menacing breathing and it's a fantastic way of re kind of interpreting that story, uh, almost a trope at this point, um, for a new audience, a new show, and just using it very effectively. I felt, did you ever, did you uh, notice that? No, I, I've, I've never, uh, I've never really cued in on, on that specifically, like on the breathing thing, but, um, but yeah, yeah I'll, have very, to, I'll have to go back and revisit it. It's very subtle, but uh, there's just this moment <laughs> where it's dead silence in the entire marketplace. And then when Obi-Wan, yeah. out of fear, just is breathing, you just hear this. And then it cuts back to Vader, and it's just a slight exhale. just, And then that's when he starts force pulling the dude out of the uh, the window. Mm. And it's just like, now, you'll. I know you're here. Now here I am. Yeah. Yeah, there is definitely like that moment that that is clear to me of like that moment when it's like he recognizes like he feels in the same way that that Obi-Wan senses Vader, like Vader senses him. Right. Which obviously, I mean, like we know that they they can do that based on A New Hope. And he's like, it's a presence I've not felt since. Right. And uh, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's like this 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 instant recognition and then the goading. Right. I love going back to, to, to their confrontation in the mine. Um, I, and, and I, when, when Vader then like starts talking to him, right. And he reacts and he ignites his lightsaber, not to defend himself or to fight, but just out of like sheer, like fear, just totally out of fear. Mm -hmm. And the way the lightsaber just like snaps, like it just it hisses to life in such an aggressive way, which is not typical for like what we assume with what 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 we not assume what, what we sort of like I, I I have come to know with Obi Wan when he turns his lightsaber on right like it's it's mm-hmm. usually a, a lot more methodical feeling, um, I but this is this is just like he is just reacting he's just purely reacting and Vader just houses him so hard so hard like obi-wan doesn't stand a chance here but we have to i remember people watching this episode and a bunch of people complaining like this the first two episodes everybody thought was great and then this was the episode where a bunch of people started having problems with the show and this like he's just obi-wan's better than that and it's like you're missing the point 
of this story, the Obi-Wan you knew was better than that, for sure, 100%. This is not that man. He has gone through some stuff, and he hasn't ignited his lightsaber right like like since the be like until the beginning of this situation right mm-hmm. like like this stuff with leia he hasn't like that he buried them in the dirt you guys like he did not use his lightsaber for 10 years you expect that he's just like good to go there's a reason why the jedi train constantly right like and it's to be ready for this moment. There's, I can't remember what story it is, but there is a story about Obi-Wan training with a lightsaber, like, like a young Obi-Wan. And like, there's a, there's, there's like a, a line or two about like, like, I, like, I don't even know why we, why we do this sort of thing. It's like the Sith are gone, right? This is like before, Maul has revealed that the Sith are have have been there the whole time, right? Like this is this is like a few years before Phantom Menace sort of thing, like when Obi Wan's a teenager. And I uh, man, I wish I could remember what story this is from, but Jedi it's sort of like this. Maybe? It might be from one of the Apprentice books, yeah. I, but I, it was basically like like it was getting at the idea that like when Qui Gon fights Maul on Tatooine. The fact that he survives that encounter is amazing because no one has fought with a lightsaber in an actual life or death situation in like a thousand years. Right. Like, like it's been a very long time since the, like the Sith disappeared as far as we know, right. Acolytes about to rewrite that history. So yeah. we'll find out that it was a couple hundred years ago or a couple but, lifetimes though. Still, you know, it's still, yeah, exactly. Like Qui-Gon's Qui-Gon has certainly never fought anybody lightsaber to lightsaber he's i'm sure he he had been in like hand-to-hand combat fights with a lightsaber against other weapons but in most instances a lightsaber beats out anything else right right it's like rock paper scissor it doesn't matter i have a lightsaber um (laughs) nice but i i yeah it's like like but there are other stories as well that talk about like their training they train their body to control their mind sort of thing. Like that's a, like, that's a part of it. And Obi-Wan has stopped all of that. Right. It's it, it's like similar to like a Shaolin monk sort of uh, uh, ideology, right. Of like, of like in order to be in full control of your mind and your soul, you also have to be in control of your body. Right. Mm-hmm. In order to be in control of your body, like the best way to do that is, is, physicality and martial arts is a, is a good way to accomplish that. Um, so, you know, you train in these martial arts, not with the intent of being lethal, but with the intent of being an absolute control of your body, um, your mind and your spirit. Right. And in, in that instance, like you're in your key, right. Which is the same as the force. Right. Um, and so Obi-Wan is not in control of any of that. He's not in control of his mind. We've seen that throughout this episode. He's not in control of his body. He is not in control of his spirit. It is all escaping him at this point in the story, right? And it, and it'll be um, in the next episode. Is it the next? The next one is when they go to the fortress, right? The fourth right. episode? Yeah. Um, 
that's where he finds that again. Right. And we get that moment. We get the moment in the, in the, in the tunnel, uh, uh, in the, in the fortress inquisitorious that, uh, uh, we see it. We see Obi Wan start to come back. Like we see the the Obi Wan Kenobi surface inside of Ben, um, and that's the other part of it is that like he literally like he literally takes a different name because he's no longer that man, and he is still Ben. He says that moments before these scenes, right? He says to right. tell us like it's Ben these days, right? Um, because she's like, I can't okay. imagine Obi Wan Kenobi being afraid of anything, sort of thing. I and he's like well, I'm not Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, yeah. and then and then we get the whole situation of of Vader with the the fire and like I'm gonna make you suffer like you made me suffer, and it's like and he he attempts to recreate the scenario, but like he's this is where this is where Vader fails in dealing with Obi Wan is that like instead of killing Obi Wan he's his plan is to make this a long painful suffering right so he doesn't want to kill him right away which then leads to you know gives ned b the opportunity and and tala the opportunity to rescue him um but not without doing some serious damage to obi-wan first but this is what has to happen right he has to hit this low in order to rise up right it's it has to happen but yeah, like so in all of this, I uh, I Leia and um and and Obi-Wan have become separated, right? She he's she's gone off with Tala and then Tala has left Leia and I I the force for some reason is guiding Riva towards Leia. Like like she Riva figures out where the safe house is just by sort of vibes, right? Well, I mean she's a Jedi, so it makes sense. But um I would basically end the episode with Leia in the clutches of, of Riva, right? Like that's kind of where we're at. Um, right. Was there anything else that you wanted to, to, to say before we kind of wrap it up? Um, uh, Amazing fight. Um, I love how one, how one-sided it was uh, completely. Um, it also has uh, some uh, moments where, um, they kind of set up some uh, moments that uh, we'll see. It's kind of like a flashback, flash forward type of thing, which mm-hmm. uh, we'll see in, I think, uh, part five um, come to fruition. Um, one of my favorite things about this episode is, again, going back to that uh, first uh, Saber ignition with uh, uh, Kenobi and how he was so out of fear when he ignited it. It wasn't glorified. It wasn't heroic. It was just completely out of fear. One of my favorite moments about that is that it uh, – it was almost like even because he was completely obviously in the darkness um, emotionally and uh, you know, visually, you know, he's literally in the darkness and it's almost as if in this moment he ignites his lightsaber out of fear. And even the light is betraying him because there are these moments where it's almost that, that reversed um, situation where if like, you know, say you uh, want to turn off all the lights in the house to make sure that, you know, it's safe outside the house. Um, it's almost like the reverse where if you had the lights on, everyone can see you from the outside, you know, kind of that thing where from the lightsaber's perspective, he has the the lightsaber to light his path to see if Vader's out there, but even the light is betraying him because it's so dark that the it's just showing where he's at, you know, so Vader could catch him and he can't even see past his lightsaber because it's so dark and the lightsaber's so light. So I really like how that was shot particularly, but those are really my thoughts at the end um, overall. 
fantastic episode is definitely my favorite of the first three. And um, I can't wait to move forward. I, we could probably talk about this uh, moving forward in the um, future episodes, but I love how these episodes kind of, uh, um, kind of, they're, they're kind of, they, story-wise, they kind of follow the same beats um, or visually, um, emotionally uh, of the original six films where this is kind of the prequel trilogy in, you know, three episodes where uh, we have the beginning, the introduction and the, um, with the characters and, you know, the kind of the hero's journey kind of begins. Uh, the second episode kind of takes place uh, in a very similar kind of aesthetic as uh, Attack of the Clones and Coruscant. And uh, this episode in particular, and moving forward, it happens again. But in this episode in particular, where we have a fight, there's fire involved. Uh, one of our characters is getting burned and uh, there's other moments like that. But just uh, overall, just really digging the series. And this is definitely my favorite of the first three. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I like I've said multiple times, right? This is where it really starts to ramp up. This is where it gets interesting. Um, everything else has kind of just been set up. And then these next two episodes, I think, are, are the strongest. And then and I mean, like, it's, it's easy to say that the final episode is the is the is the best one because it's got the cool lightsaber fight. But for me, it's like none of that matters. Like, that's the thing is that like that lightsaber fight is inconsequential and does not hit as hard as it needs to if you haven't done your homework in this episode and the next one. Right. Like that's that's what it comes down to for me. And then the 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 fifth episode is really is really like Reva's episode. Right. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit of a different thing, but I. Uh, but anyways, we'll we'll talk more about that when we get to it. We are we are taking next week off, correct? That's yes. The plan, yeah. So we're 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 taking next week off, um, and then we'll be back the week after that to talk about part four, um, and uh, yeah, and then it'll be four four five and six those, those three weeks in a row, um, and we'll be that much closer. I mean, like that'll basically that'll pretty much bring us into what like like the beginning of July, right? So if we're, yeah, for sure. Uh, or like mid July almost, kind of thing, right? Like the, yeah, for sure. yeah, the tenth will be the last time that we record. So um, we will be, uh, we'll be like within striking distance of Ahsoka, which got its premiere date, um, which is August. Um, yeah, is it August twenty first or twenty third? I can't remember. Um, uh, it is. It's like it's later in August. I know that. Uh, let me let me bring it up on the imdib and uh, and I'll tell you guys when that first episode drops. But uh, yeah, August twenty we'll third. We'll yeah. Is it August twenty third? I wasn't yeah. sure if it was the twenty third because it's twenty twenty three, right? So I was like, okay, yeah, twenty three, twenty three. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I I so yeah, man, we're getting real close to Ahsoka. Um, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's it's been nice revisiting obi-wan these last three weeks and i'm looking forward to to the back half of the season uh and uh yeah it's it, it's been a good time I'm, I'm 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 glad that we're doing this uh sometimes podcasting can be a little bit of like oh i got a podcast again tonight um 
uh, when I'd really rather just, you know, play video games. I'm so close to finishing Tears of the Kingdom, you guys. I, I, <laughs> and then once I'm done that, then I can focus on Diablo 4, which I already bought and have like started, but haven't really been able to get into because I keep going like, wow, but I only got a couple of shrines left. Now I have all of the shrines in Tears of the Kingdom. I, I actually, I'm, I'm pretty much, I am basically done. I just need to go kill Ganondorf, but, uh, uh, that's what I would rather be doing most of the time. But then I was like, Ooh, I get to watch Obi-Wan and talk about it with Marty tonight. So I, uh, yeah, that's exciting. I, uh, so, but next week we'll be off. Um, in the meantime, uh, if you, if you are not a supporter on Patreon, this episode will come out on Tuesday. I, uh, and I, uh, or like, I mean, if you're listening to this, it's, it's come out on Tuesday, this Friday, we've got a brand new episode of perfect 10. Uh, so head over to, to that podcast feed and uh, make sure you're subscribed because we are talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is the first time that I've actually like said out loud what the next episode is. But Ooh, uh, okay. uh, Cheryl Bell, uh, who I met last year at Star Wars Celebration, was a friend uh, of uh, uh, Marie Claire is a mutual friend of ours. And we became friends over the course of the weekend at Celebration. So she's come on. She is like. I think the biggest indie fan that I, that I know, like she is the the biggest fan of Indiana Jones. So uh, I sell that to say like, like in the, in the week that you guys have off, you can listen to me and Cheryl talk about indie for like, I think of almost two hours. Um, so that's fun. Uh, and if, really? and if, and if you want to, you can go back and you can listen to Marty and I talk about T2 from a couple of months ago. Yeah, that was uh, fun. Yeah. If you haven't listened to that one yet, um, did yeah. you record the Raiders of the Lost Ark episode already? Oh yeah, yeah, we recorded it. Yeah, we recorded it last nice. week. So um, yeah, uh, it'll. As a matter of fact, when I'm done recording with you, I have to finish editing it so that I can post it for Patreon because everybody on Patreon gets it tonight. Uh, they get it. They get it around midnight tonight. <laughs> so I uh, yeah I I Patreon.com/slash/Thunderquack if you want to get early access on that one um yeah so that's going on and uh i think that's pretty much it we just got kind of got that i think maybe uh after we are done with obi-wan on force perspectives that i will jump back to rebel cells and we'll do a couple episodes covering star wars visions and then uh young jedi adventures uh i because those are two things that have happened in star wars animation in the last little bit that uh that i said that we would cover and it's just you know one thing at a time so i look forward to that and like that'll bring us right to ahsoka basically i think it's like if i if i look at the schedule it's like that'll 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 get us pretty much there so uh so look forward to all of that content coming soon uh or maybe possibly already out i mean it's a podcast so you could be listening to this two years after we recorded it uh as a matter of fact like well why wouldn't you be we're talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi a year after it aired. So it's not like any of this is timely anyways. Uh, so if you're in the future, th- thanks. Uh, do we have jetpacks yet? Um, How's Star Wars yeah. Outlaw? How is Star Wars Outlaw? Does Elon <laughs> Musk still own Twitter? Uh, is Trump in jail yet? Uh, these are the questions that I want to know. Uh, the jetpack one is the most important, though. I uh, <laughs> priorities guys. I uh, <clears throat> anyways, that's it. 
that's it for this week. Thank you guys for listening. This is a doozy of an episode. This is a long one. <laughs> but, but we did also talk at length about Rise of Skywalker and the Fast and the Furious for some reason. So, I, I you know, it, it, it is what it is. Thank I'm you guys safe. for listening. <laughs> Thank you, Marty, for, you. Uh, for, for hanging out and talking about all of this ridiculous stuff with me. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks to talk about part four of Obi-Wan Kenobi. See you then. See you guys. Thank you for listening to Thunderquack Force Perspectives. Our opening theme is composed for us by Christy Carew. Follow Force Perspectives on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ForcePOV. And join us on Discord at thunderquack.com slash discord. Support the show by visiting us at patreon.com slash thunderquack to get early access to episodes, leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast service, or buy merch at store.thunderquack.com. Force Perspectives is a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network.